<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Also, oh, hi all. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I saved you from that. <laughs> What was that? That, that was almost was as bad, bad as Betsy's with my friends <laughs> from the bonus episode. I still no, can't wait, believe from, that from we the intro included episode. that. It's so bad. <laughs> Betsy's been really embarrassed about this with my friends comment she made at the intro. Was that our intro? I think that's episode, episode zero. zero. <laughs> Maybe episode one. one of the oh, two. God. Okay. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. All right. All right. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are highly invested. A podcast centered around reading and rereading Brandon Sanderson's ever-expanding Cosmere series. My name is Dappert, and I'm joined by my two friends, Betsy and Richie. And today, we're going to dive into some pretty electric chapters within book one of the Stormlight Archive, The Way of Kings. But before that, just want to make sure that everyone had a chance to hopefully listen to the bonus episode, if you're a spoiler caught up aware, of course. That we had earlier. You know, Betsy can't listen, but that was a crap ton of fun. That was a lot of fun. Thank you again, Jake. Uh, We had such a wonderful conversation around everything. Uh, It's not just even Cosmere, but music and, you know, mental health, depression, marriage. It was, wow, that was one of an episode. Yeah, that was, I really, really thank you to to Jake for coming on because that was a lot of fun. I thought he was trolling at some point, but, but I appreciate that he stuck to his guns. I know I was so sad that I couldn't uh, listen, but I did hear that there were some some hot takes in the rankings. There were, I were, and honestly, we even mentioned you because we were just like, oh, I can't wait for Betsy to like be able to talk to us about this stuff too. In how, how long do you think that will be? Honestly, <laughs> uh, probably like five years. <laughs> can't wait to be like 32 no 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 remember we talked about like when we get to like those like single books we'll read like half of it and then have a talk and then talk about the other half that should speed it up a little bit nothing is as big as the stormlight archive very true this is by far the biggest that we're going to be trying to get through yeah although if you put all mistborn together they're kind of comparative both eras that's true. That's true. There should be nothing taking away from our attention to this podcast, except maybe this new video game that came out that uh, I've been trying to get Dafford and a bunch of my friends to play, Baldur Gate 3. Well, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit skeptical at first. You know, I do really enjoy D&D, but I've never tried to do it like as a video game. And thank you, Richie, I think is the only thing I can really say. That game is somehow for me better than Tears of the Kingdom. It's, I know I'm probably going to get Dude, hate it's for not that. fair. I, Wait, what's Tears of the games, Kingdom? But, oh, Legend of Zelda. New Zelda game? <laughs> I do I do have nice. Bre- I know no, I have Breath <laughs> of the Wild. I just haven't um I haven't finished it. Well, uh, well, for, it's not fair because I basically told uh, Dapper, Jake, JJ, all everyone to start playing Bulgate 3, but my MacBook Air is too old to play it. So, I am uh building a PC. Uh, this is my first time building one. I got all the parts here. I just need a little bit of guidance from my friend to uh, to set it up. And then once I do, we're gonna be we're gonna be going on campaigns together. So how does that work? I think that's so cool that you're building a PC. Is there like certain companies that will send you like kits for it, or did you have to do a lot of research on how to find different parts and things like that? I just don't know anything about. So so I definitely had a little bit of help, but there's a website called like. PC part picker or something like that and it goes 
it goes step by step for each part you need and it helps by a limit it shows you only the ones that are compatible with the pieces you've already picked so if you like start with a case it shows you what can go in that case you start with uh, things i didn't really even know about i swear to god i didn't i just learned about this stuff the motherboard a graphics card which is that like so fake. expensive i know it sounds like i'm making <laughs> it up for a movie um are you gonna do one of those like clear ones that you see so have? there is a clear side i actually have it right under my um desk right now oh god, and sick. i can text you guys i want to text you a picture of it that's so cool yeah so it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun and then once we do that we can all you know, join a campaign together and go explore the world. Well, Betsy, I know you've been playing. Can we get your review? Well, um, it definitely gets easier. As someone who has never played a game like this before, I was very confused in the beginning and just could not figure out even how to maneuver it. But I got past... Uh, I don't want to give too much away for people who haven't played it yet. But no, I haven't played it yet, so don't. I got past please. like the main, the the main action part. sequence, and now I'm okay. like into the game. But I have no, no clue at all like where it goes from here. So, yeah. what are you, a sorcerer, wizard? Um, I am a wizard, I think, or whatever the equivalent is. I'm the same, the same thing as Dappert, I think. A sorcerer. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I always like that more, like the spell slots and the sorcery points. Yeah, dude, I think we're gonna have so much fun because, like, I, I'm really, I'm really leaning towards paladin or cleric, where I could be like a healer for the party, and I just think we're gonna have a blast exploring. I'm thinking about starting over though, just because I just like was interested in the game and made a random character, but now that I'm in it, I'm think I want to like do research and try to make a really strong character. Right. Yeah. Nice. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's a good idea. Um, all right, so a bigger update. Bigger update. Here's here's the question, and and it's for Dapper. Uh, I think the last time we recorded, we mentioned Attack on Titan, and you made a promise to all of our friends and family at home and those listening overseas that can't be with us right now that you would watch Attack on Titan and give us an update. Have you started it? Yes, I am more than halfway done season one. Let's so, go. Spoilers for Attack on Titan. If you haven't listened, I'm going to give you the next three, four seconds to skip ahead a minute. Holy crap. What the hell is happening is I think the, <laughs> the closest thing I can it's say. Crazy. What the, what, I, I need to know what is in that cellar. Dude, it's crazy. It is driving me insane. But I do think, um, sorry, Aaron's Jon Snow moment. I... I'm so so many questions. Um, are you talking about when sense. he was eaten? You're talking about him getting eaten. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, you were giving me live updates about life. that. That was fun. Yeah. I, I was shocked. And then, okay, yeah, I was texting both of you about it. And you're like, yep, he's dead. Sorry about that. And then he came back like at the end of the episode or like the next So one. you're liking it. I probably could have. You're having fun. Yeah, I'm liking That's it a great. lot. Honestly, the only reason I haven't finished season it's one of Gate is probably 3. because of Baldur's Gate. 3. Dude, you gotta I do mean, both. I've been away do for the last, both. Like, week plus. I know. Right before we, both. right before we got on the podcast, I got like a little notification on my laptop, and it was like, Dappert's username is playing Baldur's Gate three. <laughs> <laughs> so I only have good. one. I only have one friend on Steam, and it's Dappert. <laughs> I don't even know why, how that happened. There's I before Baldur's before Baldur's Gate three. Away. I'd only downloaded one game on Steam, and it was Stardew Valley, <laughs> which is like about nice. farming. <laughs> 
I have no idea how we ended up friends on Steam. That's how I found out you were playing Baldur's Gate 3. It said your friend, like, Gonder, like, <laughs> whatever your username is, was is playing Baldur's <laughs> Gate 3. And I was like, wait, Betsy bought it too? Richie really Dude. hyped it up, oh, but now he's not even playing. I know, that's the, that's the part that sucks. I hyped it up the most, and I'm literally the last one to be able to play it because I cannot put all these parts so together by myself. Um, I just sent you guys a picture of I've the parts, even by the way. got my family. I've even got my family onto the game. No fucking dad, way. I told him about it. He bought it, and he's played over, I think, 11 hours Are you serious? Already? Your dad's playing yeah. it? That's awesome. It's so good, man. This looks really that cool, Richie. Why this would looks I like hold a fish tank. That? Yeah, it's kind of like a fish tank, exactly. Um, I like the like, wood uh, front to it as well. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And the three of us should totally do a campaign together. Oh, yeah. It'd be a very good idea. It'd be a lot of fun. But I think it's time for us to dive in. Today, we are going to be discussing chapters 33 to 36 of The Way of Kings. Now, as always, everyone, this podcast will be divided into a spoiler section and a non-spoiler section for leaders reading the Cosmere novels for the first time, or like myself or Richie, on our way through another of our many read-throughs. Let's kick it off with chapter 33, Cymatics. Chapter 33, Cymatics. Shallon is deep in thought about her shady task while off on an errand for Yasna, trying to track down some book or another. <laughs> You're going to need to cut this. You're the fucking worst. Did you type something? <laughs> I typed poop in his, in his description of the chapter. And I almost read it out loud. <laughs> so close to writing you wanna, maybe Maybe you should give that another go. Oh my god. Alright, we're going to try that one again. Chapter 33, Cymatics. Shallon is deep in thought about her shady task while off on an errand for Yasna, trying to track down some book or another. Going through the theft over and over in her mind, thinking through how her soulcaster was broken, how she can swap it while Yasna's bathing, she ends up coming across one of the books that Yasna had been reading through for her studies, Shadows Remembered. Thinking it would be some unique dissertation on truth and history, Shallon is definitely a bit surprised to see it's full of children's stories about the Voidbringers. Don't understand, but eventually she returns to the alcove, only to find Capsule, the ardent she definitely doesn't have a crush on, chilling there instead of Yasna. She strikes up a very Shallon-esque conversation with him, full of witty banter, ethical discussion, and of course, jam. Capsule brings up that he has an idea, proof even, that the Almighty exists. Cymatics, which is a technique that shows some of the major Rosharan cities and how they are geographically mapped out in a perfect image, which Capsule is able to recreate by playing a note around sand that makes it jump and fall in exactly the same formation or shape that the cities are built in. To him... This is proof that God, the Almighty, exists and the harmony between man, world, and the shape. Now, Shallon, of course, is pretty amazed, and I am too, but Yasna, of course, comes in and unceremoniously dunks on Capsule and his stupidity. But I personally think the, the music thing and, and how that all works and how he can create the actual images out of the city is to be very, very, very cool image in my own head. It's like a violin. Yeah, no, um, that was a pretty good summary. I, um... 
I unfortunately was just like, Capsule, shut up. I'm so over it. Like, I was like, what? what is... He kept trying to push this. <laughs> I know, it's hilarious. I know, there is something about him that's... Just dunked on my entire, like, summary right there. He's like, yeah, just shut up, Capsule. I, was like, I thought well, it was cool. It actually I is it like cool a real too. thing. Like, have you guys ever seen videos of that before? Where, like, yeah. if you vibrate plates at certain, like, frequencies, it will form patterns? Yeah. I actually haven't seen that before, but it is really cool. You know, I found it really cool, but I found his motivation to be annoying, which was trying to convince her that the Almighty exists. And I'm like, I'm so I'm on ja- Yasna's side on this, so I was um, more eager and excited when she finally showed up again, and just absolutely dunked on him, like you said. I just think I feel yeah, she, like she really confused in. by Cosmo's motives because. I understand him wanting to convince Jasna, but I think we can tell by this chapter that he is definitely there for Shalon. Like there's a couple moments where he says like, oh, he only shows up when Jasna's not there. And he like always brings thing that sh- things that Shalon likes, like the jam. But Shalon like makes it clear over and over again that she does believe in the almighty. Like he says he's trying to protect her from Jasna, but like Shalon doesn't isn't a heretic you're right right she's very devout in all of the ways she thinks about the almighty and and everything there i agree it's it's very funny how she says you know i I understand you're here to save my soul he's like well yeah you know you're young and you're probably very impressionable and she's very powerful how am i not supposed to but it's, it's something that stands out to me it seems a little weird that he's just going through Shallon, and that's why I think Yasna like gets so a- a- angry at him at the very How end. You know what I mean? Do we think Shallon is very similar to Kaladin? I think like eighteen. Okay, 19? that's better than I thought. I thought she was younger than that, and I was getting a little thrown off that we find out that he's in his mid twenties. Oh yeah, yeah, they're, and they're and they are flirting, right? Oh, like, they're, they're totally like, flirting. Like, like you mentioned the the jam thing, and um, she's like, of course you know Yasna doesn't like jam, and yet you bring it anyway, knowing jam to be my favorite. I'm Shalon like, has a riz. Room. She has riz. Yeah. Like they're <laughs> like, bouncing off each other. Right. It was a it was a lot of banter and back and forth. I just kind of like, I kind of toned n- tuned out when he started mentioning the cymatics. Honestly. <laughs> Wow, I did. Richie doesn't like well, the fun science. It wasn't even just music. that. There was like another point where he was talking about like jam horoscopes, and he's like, "Oh, depending on what type of jam you like, it like means your personality is like this." I was like, "What is this conversation that's happening here?" Yeah, how he does says, this like, forward you the love plot? the outdoors. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was yeah, like, bring the the back, please. And she came and immediately took over. Do you guys have a favorite type of jam? Um, no. strawberry. Close second, marmalade. That's what I was going to say. Like a orange marmalade is pretty good. I don't eat that much jam. And we're back at Neither the jam podcast <laughs> uh, where we go over the different types of jam. This is <laughs> No, but the comment that he had about the outdoors and like how the time I think that when she was born and the jam she eats shows that she this woman who loves to be outdoors. And we saw her room in the last chapter and she literally lives in a cave. No windows, yeah. no light. She hasn't gone outside in weeks probably i just like that one she does love the natural world though i mean yeah yeah um one one of the quotes from this chapter is like the world was a wondrous place she hungered to learn more wished to observe each and every one of its creatures to have sketches of them in her books to organize roshar by capturing it 
in images. And I feel like that quote is exactly why Yasna wants her as a ward. It's her curiosity about it all. And she's just trying to direct her curiosity, obviously, towards, you know, books and history. But Shallon naturally has it. And I think that's what brings them together so well. Yeah. And one other thing that we see in this chapter that's interesting is um, Shallon is drawing Jasna soul casting. I think we're like supposed to understand that she's doing that so that in the event that she steals the soul caster, she kind of is trying to understand how it works so that she can use it. And I think she talks about how she's figured out that, I mean, I don't really understand how all the different types of soul casters work, but this one is like attuned to the three essences, vapor, spark, and lucentia, but could create any of the 10, meaning that it could create mineral deposits, which is what her family needs. So she's definitely like paying attention and starting to gear herself up to do this. Um, but one thing that I just thought was interesting is she they talk about how the, the soul caster is broken and it just made me think about like what actually is happening when they're using like the soul caster or the fabriol or whatever like is it quote unquote like magic that's happening or is there like some mechanical thing that's like happening with the soul caster mm. I, we don't have the answer to that but it just like was very interesting to me as not really knowing how the yeah. magic system yeah, that's a good question. works yet. Good question. Like, is this like Jasna is magical or the like soul caster is doing something? I no, that's a, that's a very good question. Yeah. That's uh, you're thinking the right questions I would say, but it was, I was glad we got a lot more about the Fabrials and how they all work, especially the soul caster itself. You know, we could really see how these essence are created. It's like Talos is what you were talking about there, Betsy. And she brings up what these essences are. And I think there's something that's probably going to come back up. So I wanted to I wanted to mention that. It's like Lucenti, as you said, Talos, and then the fire one. And Fabrials are going to be talked about in this chapter and the next few chapters in this episode as well. And so it's something that I think that we should start paying attention to. Are they attention just different to. names for the same thing? A soul caster and a fabrial. So a fabrial is a device that does the magic thing. A soul caster is a type of fabrial. Right, Richie? I, right I, about that? Yeah, I would, I would agree. Like, I would say that the, what's the thing that they used to talk to each other? The span. I would say that's another type of fabrial. So, right? Or am I wrong? Okay, got I, it. I, I, be, I, I feel like, and I, I think Dapper is looking this up, fabrial is like, a thing used by the gems. Like if you use the gems to do something, it's a Fabriel. Yeah, that's why she she talks about the gems and how her broken Fabriel doesn't have any. So she's going to need to get the three ones that Yasna has, which I think is what that means when the thing is attuned to the 10 different essences. Yeah, it's almost like Fabriel so means machine, right? And then it like you just like have different types. Yeah, that's a good way to put okay, it. Okay, got it. But it is also like a fancy brass knuckles. I don't know if you guys. Yeah, actually, guys saw yeah. That. Uh, I wish we could have put it, a picture of it in the chat, but it looks really cool. You know, it's interesting. It said you can't create gemstones with it. It can create anything else, but it cannot create a gemstone, which is what it uses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because you wouldn't want that would. What? Be 
like if it was just like creating gemstones and then gemstones is what is being used to create this like really extreme magic. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. Fair. I just put an image of it because otherwise it would be too powerful. I just put an image of it in the Google Docs. Oh, that is not oh, what I like, thought it looked like. It looks like jewelry. That that this is how I pictured it. Yeah, that's how I pictured, I pictured it, like it as brass well. knuckles. You picture it like brass knuckles, like Thanos. Yeah. Well, they mentioned the, they like mentioned the chains that they mentioned the chains that link them all together. So that's this is what I pictured as well when I when I pictured it. Fair enough. So it's like I jewelry. Like my, it looks like jewelry. I thought the the links were like you you put your fingers through it and it like comes out on the knuckles kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Well, uh, do you guys have anything else for cymatics? I think Fun the only th- other thing I'd say is that we ch- uh, we see Shalon like pull the book from the book stacks that Justin was reading before, Shadows Remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a children's book, but the one thing I just noticed is that the story in it sounds a lot like the era that Dalinar's vision is from. Interesting. When he's like when he's there with the void bringers. Yeah. Um it like just sounds like it's from that wow. that era in their history. I don't think I ever connected that. It sounds a lot like it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And then I had one other point. Oh no, hit us. No, Bessie, yeah. let's go. Back to back. <laughs> well, because at the end of the chapter we get Jocelyn saying she says to Shalon, did he ask, did Casbol ask you to steal? Oh so God, that was such a fun moment. That was such a fun moment. That was such an intense moment. Like I literally felt my own stomach drop when she asked that. Cause it just opens up this whole other, like, like this is now something that Jocelyn has thought about before. It's not like something that's just yeah. out of the blue that Shalon can do and Jocelyn will never know. Yeah, like, like it's like the curtain has been pulled back and it's like it's, all, it's like Yasna looked right at us when she said that. Right, and she, I think she implied that he, like other... Ardents. Is ardent the right word? Have tried to go after her wards before to steal that? That's what I was picking up on, but... Doesn't sound very priestly. Yeah, and and Yasna actually mentioned, she's, she says something like, He's he doesn't really want to get to know you. He's just trying to get to me or something like that. Yeah, and the young love and Shallon kind of like, no, he likes me. And it's pretty funny. Yeah, and she's like, I'm rarely wrong about these things. That's what I was about to say. She's like, well, it's a good thing I'm never wrong. It was wrong. kind of a nice moment. I feel like that was she like kind of, it was nice of her to kind of be like, I see that you sort of like him, but I want to protect you a little bit. That was a nice moment. Yeah. I do also have one last thing to bring up, and it's something that I think we're all going to really enjoy. Listeners are going to really enjoy it, but take a second now and recognize that you are not sick. We can breathe through your nose normally uh, and be thankful for it. Shallon, Shallon, you know how when you're sick and like your nose is runny, you're not able yeah. to like breathe, and you're like, "Damn, I miss being able to do no, that." No, I know Take what you're talking about. When you're like, enjoy it. When you're like, when I'm not sick anymore, I'm going to appreciate that I can breathe through my nose. Yep. So you're Take just a moment re- now and appreciate it. Okay, this has been the "Be Thankful You Can Breathe Through Your Nose" segment of the podcast. Hey, this is from the book. Shallon says it in the conversation that she has with him. <laughs> Oh, she does. Wait, not like word for word, but pretty much the exact wow, same. Wow, I've really tuned Capsule out. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, let's let's take it into chapter thirty-four. Chapter thirty-four, Stormwall. 
Oh my goodness. All right. So when we first left um, Cal, he had successfully implemented the side carry. He saved the entire bridge crew, a feat unheard of. But though his bridge crew survived, many other bridge crews lost their lives trying to emulate, you know, bridge four and try to do the same thing just to survive. Uh, so it this threw the entire assault into a frenzy. Cal wakes up to Sil's voice, and he's disoriented because he took a beating after this. He realizes he's hanging upside down from the bridge four barrack, and a high storm is approaching. Sil tells Kaladin what happened since he's been uh, unconscious. Sadius blamed Lamoril for the battle's catastrophic failure and executed Lamoril himself. Gaz has remained in his position. Sadius proclaims that the Stormfather will judge whether Kaladin is worthy to live or die in the high storm. Kaladin, somewhat in a daze due to the blood rushing to his head, tells the bridgeman to come out after the storm to see him open his eyes and know that he survived. Teft gives him a sky mark as good luck. The rest of the bridge crew heads back into the bridge four barracks and the high storm comes. This was this was such a good just 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 build um, because they've definitely hinted at being strung up into a high storm before. It's like a Chekhov's gun. You know, you're, you're going to get it and to know it's happening to Kaladin, to know why and for him to make that declaration. It was a lot of fun. It was also crazy to see the fallout from the side carry. Like I was not expecting Lamriel to be executed. Right? And then I think they also like actually gave a number to the deaths. They said that like 200 men died just because Kaladin like chose to protect his bridge crew. Yeah. So it just like makes it a lot more real. That was just the bridge and, crews too. Yeah. It wasn't even the soldiers that would have died during like the really bad charge. It's just saying that 200 bridgemen died. Yeah, he absolutely fucked up this this entire like assault. And I and I'm sure we all don't really like Sadius. Um uh, and I don't really have great feeling for Elite Eyes in general, but except for Dalinar. Uh but I don't know. This was just I I, I understand the bridge crew. That's the reason why Skaladin isn't isn't executed on the spot, right? Because you can't blame them for trying to survive. Yeah, Sadius even says that, I think, yeah. while they're talking about what happened. He's like, yeah, I'm not surprised a bridge guy tried to save his life. I wouldn't think most people would. Right. But that's not his job. That's why he's judged by right. the like I, I feel like they're really just trying to make like an example out of him in this situation, being like, oh, he'll be judged by the high storm. And I feel like this is actually the first place that I've heard them use the name Jeriza, King of Harold, like the Stormfather. Maybe that's used before, but this was the first time I really like recognized it. Mm -hmm. um, but they're like, oh, he'll be judged. But we kind of all know he's just going to die because that's what everyone's done before. Exactly. So it's like claiming that it's going to be, you know, out of his hands. It's, it's, a, it's a lesson from the universe or from the world to tell you that you shouldn't do this. But in reality, he's going to die. Like you said. Well, it goes back to, I think, what they were saying in the one right before the side carry, where they said they don't want to make him into a martyr because that's when the other bridgemen stop running it, stop running the bridges, and then more soldiers die and it just becomes a shit show. And so they're saying, you know, hey, as you just said, Richie, not us. 
We're oh, yeah, we're not doing the killing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, Lamoral got wrecked. And that was at least something good. <laughs> did you guys feel bad about that? No. I did not feel bad about no, Lamoral. I was, I was just, shocked. I wasn't I was Yeah, I was like, it. oh, yeah. shit. Oh, my God. Consequences. Immediately. <laughs> like, I was wow. more surprised. Right. Consequences for his actions. <laughs> yeah, who thought? But I was more surprised that Gaz just had no consequences for his actions. <laughs> And right. So I, like, I yeah, guess it goes to show yeah. how low gas is. Job. Yeah. Well, I think they said something like it's some like weird light eyes code that they're like supposed to take the fall for something like that, but it's more just something that they subscribe to to like make themselves seem high and mighty. I don't know. It makes themselves um, feel better. They're like, yeah, we yeah. all take the blame. We're the leaders, but also we're the leaders. You do whatever we say. Um, also, really cute scene or cute uh, moment from Syl. Uh, obviously, amidst Kaladin being upside down and probably bloodied. Um, I was about to be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like cute. she still has this like innocence. She like she comes over and she's like, you were beaten by those soldiers. Um, and, and it's like she said this growing smaller. I've gotten back at them. I made one of them trip three times today. <laughs> she looked. I did like, love that's that. That's just come on. That's just adorable. She also mentioned that she's like been feeling um, like temperature. Like the, she says, she feels cold, mm-hmm. and they note that as being different. Um, I'm wondering if she's like an extension of his consciousness. That's my Ooh. most recent theory. Ooh, yeah. Betsy theory counter. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> But another cute moment also is when Bridge Four kind of comes out to say their final goodbyes. Yeah, even um, Mowash. It's like Calden's surprised. And they say that they're going to like, like they're really saying goodbye. Like he is going to die. Like they say they're going to remember him by continuing to like eat stew together. Like oh, his memory will Oh die. God, it was so good. It's so good. When he's like, I want you to know. I, this is how I picture Rock's like voice in my head. This thing you did for us, we will continue it. <laughs> it's so good. And, uh, and then we have that like ultimate moment of Calden telling them to come back out after the storm and check if he's alive. He said it would like his eyes would burst open. Yeah. Oh man. He's yeah. like trying to create like a religion under him with that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he was a little delusional. There's a lot of blood rushing to his head. Let, let's That's be, true. Let's be real. But I but think he even I, says that. But to actually get the quote, um, Rock goes, we will remember you, Bridge Four. We won't go back to how we were. Maybe all of us will die, but we'll show the new ones. Fires at night, laughter, living. We'll make tradition out of it for you. That gave me all the feelings. Yeah. Like, we're, we actually are really getting martyr vibes from Cal. Like, it's it's Jesus vibes, let's be honest. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, he's he's telling them to come... Like after this horrible thing happens to him, come out and see if he's still there. Yeah. Um, it's it's in the description of the storm coming. Oh my god! Yeah. You could just feel that shit. Like you could see it over, like coming coming in. And uh, uh, this is this is the payoff, right? The entire book up to this point is explaining to us how dangerous high storms are. It's so scary to just picture just like that wall. Right. Like literally, like, like moving towards you, quickly, and debris, quickly, and, and oh my god, and and the and the thousands of windspread that are just flying in front of it, just enjoying it. Oh man, it's such a cool visual. So crazy. 
And Kaladin, like, he's just, I think, saying to himself, like, he has nothing else left he can do other than just, like, play all the odds. And the fact that there could be one single possibility that he could survive. And if he does, it will, like, give his team a miracle. Yeah. And I think they actually use that word. Um, and it's it's an interesting, like, end to the chapter because I think every situation, like, rock bottom that Kaladin's been in so far he's been able to be like really smart and resourceful to try to get himself out of it, even with nothing. But here it's literally just him against fate. Yeah. There's nothing else he can do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and my goodness, this planet is, the planet is fucked up. Like it is a fucked up planet. They get this every, I don't know. I don't know how often they get these, but I think it's supposed to be like every week. No way! It's every every week. two weeks. This is I, yeah. I'm thinking maybe two, but like this is ridiculous that they just casually do this, and all it takes is to tie one guy up, and he's done. Well, it doesn't seem like a very nice place to live. Do you guys think Dalinar is having a vision during this high storm? Definitely. I forgot about that. <laughs> Which is crazy. You forgot them. about Shallon and Yazda when we were all in Dalinar's chapters. Very Poor true. Dalinar. I know. He's probably just having a little bit of a seizure somewhere while Kaladin's strung up. <laughs> Jesus. But I do love the quote. That, that, so you, the whole thing with Rock made you, you know, get in the feels, Richie. What Teft did it made me get in the feels when he gave him the, the sphere. And he's like, the, the old quote, carry a sphere with you into the storm. At least you'll have light by which to see. That one, not, like that's just that's like his final goodbye, his final act. It was, and and it takes us into the next chapter. I'm not that I'm going into it, but it just that's the name of the next chapter too, which I just I didn't put that together till you just said that. Oh yeah, it is a light by oh, which I to didn't see. Either. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, with that, should we move into the next? chapter? I think we got to. Fingers crossed for Callum. Let's see what happens. Chapter thirty-five: A light by which to see. Kaladin is strung up by his feet to the back of the bridgeman's barracks as the high storm descends upon him. Syl stays with him, urging him to keep fighting, and Kaladin clutches a sphere. Kaladin is continuously bashed against the roof of the barracks until suddenly in the darkness he sees a strange, inhuman face before him. In the morning, when the storm has subsided, Rock and Tuft come out to see Kaladin's body bloody and battered. They assume he is dead until suddenly Kaladin's eyes snap open. Wow. This was an intense What chapter. a chapter. My Holy first note shit. is just, good God. He is fully just in the storm. Yeah. Like in the heart of the storm. Yeah, it's like I could picture the last chapter, just the darkness, like a loud rumbling getting closer and closer. And then as it hits him, it just cuts to black. And then we just cut to him just like flailing, absolutely flailing in the wind. <laughs> His skin gets getting stripped off by the, by the power. Cause of it. I feel like we're, we're going back and forth between him just being like battered and bashed. He's like swinging against the roof, like over and over again. Cause he's attached by his feet. He's getting like cut up by all the debris He's like starting to disassociate at times. It's like really, really it's intense. intense. It's intense. And we still hear Syl. Like she's still there with yeah. him. She's standing like in front of him trying to like oh, block that, out see, the wind. <laughs> Come like, on. I just get the image of her just like with her hands out trying to block the winds from him. Just, that is so fucking adorable. Image. I know. But she's also so yelling she, like, instructions. Is she immune to the storm? Well, 
I don't think she has like a she can barely move a leaf, so I don't think like physical stuff like 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 affects her uh, at yeah. all. I think that's the right way to put it. So I it's mean, it's, it's futile it. what she's doing and that's why it's adorable. Yeah. She can't yeah. she's not stopping anything. She's trying to. But she's also yelling at him, like in the instructions, like he gets flipped onto the roof at one point and he can grab onto the ring, which is what his his feet are tied up onto, and that's what he's holding on to. And then he even says his fingers go numb. It's uh, he just gets absolutely destroyed by this storm. I would I couldn't even ima- like believe that moment after like all this intense just like trauma that's happening to him. And the moment where it, like, gets kind of quiet for a second, and it says that he actually, like, stands up on the roof, and that's when he sees the vision of the face. Like, I couldn't even believe that he was able to, like, get himself to stand up Right? Oh, my like, God. That was just crazy. So so he's clearly lost his mind seeing this vision in the, in the storm at this point. Like, this man is, is seeing nightmares. He just sees a disembodied floating head that's like in the in the in the black and the darkness, and it's just like slightly shaded in, and it's laughing. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah he's gone it, nuts. It said, he, it said it was laughing. I didn't see that. Maybe it said it was smiling. Oh, okay, okay. Smiling. Sorry, sorry. It said like, smiling. That was even more creepy. Yeah. Um. And, and he didn't feel the cold at all for a second either. He had no pain. And I think, yeah. It is important, I think, to point out right when that face showed it up or whatever it is, some vision, that's when the, the dun sphere lit up in his hand. It said that the sphere burst with light. Right. Right, right. then and there. Because the spheres are power, get their energy from the storms. Yep. I guess um, that's, maybe it's the face. Yeah. The, dude, the, there's a description that literally says the force of the storm wall nearly knocked him unconscious. But the sudden chill of it shocked him lucid. <laughs> like, can you imagine that? Like the physical bludgeoning, but it's so cold that you're awake and like hot, your senses are heightened for a brief moment. Like, holy shit! Uh, yeah, Lovely. I think they said that he was like holding on to the, um, like the ring that his feet were were attached yeah. to. But then his like fingers went numb and he like couldn't even hold on to it anymore. Ooh. It's just. Then, so extreme. Uh, my favorite visual was that he was flapping like a kite. Yeah, I <laughs> flapping like a kite briefly. What? I, I actually was having a hard time like trying to picture what was going on because I just didn't quite understand like where his body was at any one point. But I think that was. The I point. honestly filled in some of the blanks myself and just like pictured him going back and forth, hitting the wall like a couple times and just flailing. Well, I think after he sees that vision is when it kind of cuts to black and then we're back at the end of the storm. And for me, the most like shocking description was the one that we get of Calden's body afterwards. And I think it's Rock and Teft who come out and they describe him as looking literally like a corpse that's been skinned. Oh. Like it's a really gory graphic description that just like shows you the reality of how insane like yeah. going through a high storm yeah. is. Yeah, he was basically skinned alive. It, yeah, the description of it, it, honestly, this whole thing was just, like I said before, a payoff for the high storms because we, we've heard about them. We've seen Dalinar have visions in, protected and we've even seen Kaladin protected. But since the earliest chapters, Kaladin and the cart, you know, Dalinar's uh, visions, the crab animals, the plants that are hiding away, 
every interlude chapter emphasizes the high storms of Roshar and their destructive but also like life-giving power and now to be inside one is it, it's, a, it's a culmination and it feels awesome it came at like right way halfway through the book too I don't know if you noticed that, but this is 52% of the way through the book. Right when we get here. So, yeah, it's really building up to this the whole way. But I do want to like bring up one thing that I loved about we were talking about how he looked. Ironically, his face was cleaner now, washed by the storm. That to me is a little bit like religiosity. Like his, his entire body is just so wrecked and bloodied and, and cut up and like. He basically, as you guys said, looked like he was skinned, yeah. but his face was like serene. This, washed this by is really arm. big martyr vibes here. For sure. Yeah. Until I feel course. like this is going to start him on something. To- like, I have no idea where it's going to go from here. Like, is he just going to go back to being a bridgeman? Like, I don't know how, but it seems like he's literally been like cleansed of something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so many metaphors. Lot, so yeah, many metaphors. For sure. Um, and, and, you know, they definitely have to mention this uh, ending part of the chapter. Something dropped from his hand, and it was the sphere that Tuft had given him. And it was done, as in there was no stormlight in it at all, which is not something spheres are supposed to do when after they are uh, placed in a high storm. They should storm. be all, all charged And glowing, up, right? yeah. Is that the only way that they can be charged? For, to my knowledge. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Two impossibilities. A man who's still alive when he should be dead in an empty sphere after a storm. Also, the moment when he opens his eyes was very cinematic. Yeah. Like, we always talk about movie moments, but that is such a movie moment where he's, like, just, like, covered in blood, and then his eyes just, like... Yeah, and then people like probably like fall backwards and and start like praying and like freaking out. Um, that yeah, that was great. And also like when the storm leaves and it's just like like a calm rain afterwards, and it describes like rain spren, which is just small blue candles on like the pools of water. I thought that was really cool. It's just interesting what brings spren out into the into the world. So, did you guys have anything else for? A light by which to see. Really cool chapter. Nope. Cannot wait to see what happens next. <clears throat> oh, all right. All right. Let's take it into chapter 36. Chapter 36. The Lesson. Shallon attends Yasna during her Delhi bath, where the two discuss Gavilar, the Parshendi, and the history of how this entire war came to be. And specifically the treaty that the Parshendi and Gavilar, the king of Alethkar, signed, which is where, of course, Gavilar was assassinated by the assassin in white. While they're discussing this, Shallon actually almost steals the Fabriel, the soulcaster, from the pile of clothes that Yasna has left on the floor. But convincing herself now that the time is right, Yasna finally compliments her, and at that moment, all is lost, and Shallon just fully gives up on the idea of stealing the Soulcaster. To Shallon's delight, Yasna suggests a change of subject, but is soon disappointed when the subject comes out to be philosophy. They start talking about ethics and morals until Yasna says it's time for a lesson, and the two of them go out on a late-night walk. She walks down an alleyway in a very dangerous part of town, and, as expected, and after flashing her wealth, 
they are attacked by four criminals. Pretty much all at once, Yasna uses her soulcaster to murder the four individuals. That was a little connotative heavy, but I mean what I said. On the way back, the two discuss whether or not Yasna's actions were right and justified, and Shallon finds herself pissed at Yasna for just playing with these lies. And finally, because of her anger, steals the Fabriel while she is helping Yasna get ready for bed. Wow. Um, okay, so before we even before we even talk about point by point, bullet by bullet, this is murder, right? It's murder. It is murder. It is murder. I think it's this is I think fucked it's up. Murder. Yeah, this chapter really threw me. There is a lot, like a lot to unpack here. I feel like I don't even totally have all the answers, but I was really shocked. This is, um, I think the term is entrapment. <laughs> uh, like she. Now, all right, let's let's try and play devil's advocate for a second. Um, so Yazza does explain in the chapter that these these people have been committing a series of murders in this alley to anyone who would walk through it, and they also seem to be paying off Roshar's version of police or Carbrand's version of police officers, um, so that way they can continue to do the murders. Um, Yasna also states Taravangian doesn't know what to do because he is a very docile ruler. Um, so she takes matters into her own hands, a la uh, a very dark Batman here. Um, yeah, she also says something like, oh, it would have happened to another woman walking down the street, but I just so happened to have the power to stop it. Yeah, yeah. But like a couple of those people were running away. Three of them were. She made one into fire, and then the other three ran away, and she just didn't she like them. turn one of them into like diamonds? Yeah, or like yep. I, the th- I think the second guy, the first guy, bursts into flames. I think right. Yep. And then mm-hmm. the second guy, I think he reels backwards and is like shocked, and then she turns she just him like into like touches crystal. him. Yeah, and she literally just touches him on the shoulder, and he becomes a crystal. Like it's crazy shit, dude. But I think the other part of it, too, is the fact that it's not even like she's trying to be this Batman vigilante. She's doing it for a lesson. To Shalon. It's not just like she's trying to, I don't know, the fact that like this was all just done to show Shalon something about philosophy, I think just makes it that much worse. And it like made me, I think you realize like Jasna is human and I think at some point Shalon even said something like, did something happen to her that's like made her have this really cynical point of view where she thinks that like this is the philosophical answer to this question of like whether she's a hero or a villain in this scenario. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, 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 it's all wild to me because I feel like Yasna saw this as like a two birds, one stone moment because she says she, she was going to help anyway. Because she knew the guards weren't going to do anything and she wanted to repay Teravangian's kindness. And she went, oh, I can do this and kill those guys while teaching my ward something about morals. So was the lesson morals? Is that it? What's the lesson here? Think about the other thing, like to your point about what the lesson is, that was really confusing to me is not to be jumping around too much. But at the beginning of the chapter, I made this note. I like really feel like Jasna 
knows that Shallan is trying to steal the Soulcaster. Like that was what I felt like was happening when mm-hmm. the opening scene where she's like floating in the pool and there's this weird like tension yeah. where like Shallan moves for it and then she makes a comment and all this stuff. And then at the end of the chapter, after all this happens, she like says this thing to Shallan about how she needs to be ready to make decisions that turn her stomach. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't, I was like, does she know that some like Shallan is, if anything, either she, yeah, either she knows either or she doesn't know lesson. and she's setting her up to betray her or she knows. And it's like, I don't know what yeah. the point of that is, but there's something there, either she knows or it's, it's a meta lesson or she doesn't know. And she's inadvertently t- teaching Shallan another lesson, which is to go for it because you need to make your own decisions here about what's right and wrong. Yeah. Both I wrote ways, that. Very cool. Yasna is a very good teacher at times. I'm not including obviously the lesson where she killed people, but earlier when Yasna tells her that she wants Shallon to make her own like decisions and opinions on things rather than just tell her what she thinks about it. I wrote that out. I was like, that's, that's something that makes a lot of sense. You know, you want her to start thinking for herself. And, and honestly still like obviously the credit to, to Brando Sando because they have the conversation afterwards too. Like it's not just something for us to theorize. Even Sh- Shallon herself is having the conversation with Yasna about you know whether this is right or wrong, and the back and forth is so interesting. Like like she's like that. Shallan's like that's that was horrible, most awful thing I've ever experienced. And Yasna's like four men who were planning to beat, rob, kill, possibly rape us, and. Shallon's like you tempted them into coming for us did I force them to commit any crimes like the back and forth there was just I I really I just found this whole thing very interesting right and I did feel like this like in theory the lesson I understand what Joss was going for because I think there's this idea of like oh they're pursuing all this like scholarly discourse and all this stuff and I feel like here Joss saying like there's a real world consequences for the decisions that we make and you might have to make. Yeah, good point. She, she should not have killed people in the process of like trying to prove that lesson. I don't know if that's something about like the Alethi way of thinking or what is going on there, but it definitely is just like upping the stakes. I feel like for Shalon, who was coming from this like somewhat innocent background, yeah. and now it's like you're in the real world now like this stuff happens i mean i mean to yasna to do you guys have an answer for yasna's question am i a monster or am i a hero did i slaughter four men or did i stop four murderers from walking the streets what do you i don't think? know it's very thanos like did something good or did something bad for the greater good to me the answer is still the ends do not justify the means so no, I, I, I think she's a monster a bit for what she did. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think, I think it's way more complicated than just saying she's a hero. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that it led to Shallon finally making up her mind because at the beginning of the chapter, she decided that she wasn't going to do, steal the soul caster. She just couldn't do it to a person like Yasna. But then she found out who a person like Yasna really is. Maybe that was also the lesson. There's right? lessons on it's lessons on less, lessons. So many lessons, lessons here. It's like, I need a syllabus. Like, what is happening? 
But one other thing, to, there's a few other comments I want to bring up. First, the religion comments that they were talking about around the philosophy before they went on the field trip. I I fully, finally, I think, understand Yasna's distrust or hatred for the devotees because their whole thing is that they want to stop questions and stop growth and stop wondering about the nature of things. And she says that's like the most adult thing you can do basically is question things and not just take the simple answer. And I, I loved that part. And, and I was wondering why wouldn't she bring up those kind of answers when talking to the King talking to capsule. I mean, I know this is this is different from the murder. So if you guys want to talk about the gory details about that, we can go back to that. But this <laughs> stood out to me. I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was pretty interesting too. Yeah, I agree. And I, I really agreed with her point there as well. Just like this idea that it's really important to always be asking questions. Um, and I think she sees that as like her, her truth. Like she doesn't believe in one singular truth. Her truth is that they're like, you should always be asking questions about it. I got a question for you guys now. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well, hello, police. <laughs> also, what, what the fuck? <laughs> hello, police. <laughs> oh, the other thing that just personally for me, I thought was interesting was like the little bit of a history lesson that we get in the beginning when they're talking about um, the Parshendi and like Gavilar's account of having met them. Because I think we just get a little bit more detail about how my understanding from reading it was that the Alethi discovered gem hearts from the Parshendi mm-hmm. who kind of were just using them as decoration, I think was the description at least that Gavilar gave. Um, and then we're led to believe that Gavilar may have seen a Parshendi about to summon a shard blade in battle with a chasm fiend. And that's, kind of the theory behind why he would have made the treaty. Yeah. But the the question it really raised for me was like, we see the Parshendi in battle all the time, especially now on the Shattered Plains. Like, why haven't we seen any more shard blades? Like, what are they hiding? Like, I I feel like I don't understand why they would hide it unless they had some kind of like other deeper ability that we don't know about. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't get that. No, that was a really good. That's a, those are all really good points. Um, you're, you're starting to think like Shallon. Yasna would love to take you on as a ward. Honestly. <laughs> well, I would have been excited about it, but now I'm like, my head is spinning. My, my favorite character. <laughs> like, there's like so much more I want to say about this, but I'm not going to go there. Cause the Alethi are, well, the Alethi are villains too. Wait. They murder a lot of people, and just because Jasna doesn't like subscribe to their belief system doesn't mean that she's like not associated with them anymore. For sure, for sure. And the f- damn like, right. I don't know. If anything, that's a, another good point to bring up. Like the fact that she has like the wealth and power to have a soul caster. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're you're no, right. I love this. No, no, no you're no, you're right no, about but, everything. Yeah, we there, we don't speaking. talk about it enough, but yeah, she's a rich princess Alethi, and there's no way that it hasn't been ingrained in her a little, at least a little bit, uh, their ideals of power and strength and war. Um, obviously Yasna, you know, is a scholar and has, you know, researched a, a plethora of things, but at the end of the day, you know, there's some things that have definitely ingrained. And I think that the murdering of those people was a very Alethi thing to do. Absolutely yeah. agreed. It definitely did stick out to me. I mean, it doesn't make it okay, but, 
that weird line that I feel like we'll probably come back at some point about maybe something happened to Jocelyn that's like colored her worldview a little bit, but maybe just something to think about. Well, worth saying her father was assassinated in like broad moonlight, but still broad moonlight. Okay, it was nighttime. It was it was very obvious though, and because like so I couldn't say broad daylight, but whatever. Yeah, and there's lots of moons. Yeah, there's like three moons. Um. So yeah, did uh. uh so was there were there any other points for the lesson? Did you guys learn yours? <laughs> the, I've learned mine. But I, my but the undertext that killed me when they were talking about the uh, when Yasna and Shallon are discussing the Parshendi. And they point out that Yasna has the undertext where it says that Gavilar wasn't actually this like verbose. Yeah, she or just smart. did it herself. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I also love the idea that that's like a common thing. Like the women who are the ones writing it make comments that aren't supposed to be read out loud. That are kind of just like, "Hey, by the yeah, way, like, like I don't like, agree." This guy with was this. off his rocker <laughs> when he was saying this shit, and no one knows about it. Only the women reading know about it. Uh, it killed me. I love that. Even for like them to contradict what the men are saying, it's so good. Yeah, it could literally just be like, and then I climbed the mountain. Just want to note here, he did not climb that mountain. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's oh, so but funny. Yes. Just to wrap, I, I kind of think Jasna might know. Interesting. I think she might know. Very interesting. That she stole, that she switched it out. Oh, you think, you, well, you're saying she's going to she's gonna know uh, in the next chapters. Is that what you're saying? No, I just felt like at the beginning of the chapter, I just feel like Jasna might suspect it and was like giving her the opportunity to do mm-hmm. it. I don't know. Interesting. Very, very well, interesting. I think we're going to have to read and find out. But I'm... Beep, beep. Oh, it's that time. Beep, it beep. is that time. Bus is rolling, uh, rolling over. I'll wave goodbye as you guys head off to school. <laughs> to school? Spoiler school. <laughs> what? <laughs> On the spoiler school bus. Uh, I'm dropping you off with your backpacks. It's a school bus now? <laughs> the backpack. Has this bus always been yellow? What? <laughs> this metaphor. Oh, my God. All right. So, yeah. We will be headed into the spoiler section. Our conversations will be centered around these specific chapters, but in the context of all of Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere series. That's Stormlight, Mistborn, Warbreaker, Elantris, White Sand, Arcanum Unbounded, and The Secret Projects. If you are caught up, stick around. Um, but if you'd like to contact us, our email address is highlyinvestedpodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at highlyinvestedpodcast. Until next time, Kremlings. And we are back in the spoiler Beep. section. Bus just dropped us off at, at school? school at this point. <laughs> we got to get to class. I don't know. Well, we're going to music class for chapter 33, Cymatics. I'll tell you that right now. Nice. Oh, man. They're going to keep playing to this, aren't we? Good segue. But this one, holy crap. I did not know that we were going to get pure tone of Roshar and stuff 
in chapter 33 yeah. of Way yeah. of Kings. I mean, uh, I yeah. What? Yeah, so that's basically what Capsule's getting at here, is that he has somehow... It's not that he found a pure tone, right? I, it's like he found multiple. That's uh-huh. what the cities are all based on. We know that in Rhythm of War, they like do this exact exercise multiple times with the plates. And Navani and Raboniel talk about it a lot while they're trying to get the anti-honor sound, the anti-Roshar sound, I guess. But this is the first time it's like really brought up the music piece. And, right. you know, we've had comments that the Parshendi sing while they fight but obviously that they would not have connected these things yet i just well we don't know if this is a pure tone then maybe it's just a city was built off of a tone i don't know i kind of disagree oh you do because if we go back to chapter 33 oh i'm a poet and i didn't even know it (laughs) uh but when they break out the uh the cymatic like things whatever it is i don't know how to better describe it uh, he does one of the sounds. Capsule does a sound, and Shallon even notes that it sounds like a pure tone. I think that's sort of the, almost the word she says. Um, okay, but yes, it's right here. They're talking about symmetry. They're talking about the names being symmetrical. Shout out to that. But I, as I he, thought about she opened you her mouth, when, when they oh, said that. Oh, oh, thank you, Richie. But no, he brings out like all the demonstration thing. But he says, he drew the bow again. Again, the plate made a sound, almost a pure note. It's directly written in there. You must tell me that's a pure tone of Roche. But, yeah, I I don't know if a pure musical note is what they mean by pure tone of Roshar. But also, I could see it. I could totally see it. It could just it. be like a, for, a big foreshadow. Because they don't talk about this again for four books. We're hundreds of chapters away from the next time they'd bring up the cymatics and the music, music plates. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, that that really stood out to me. I even was like, holy shit, we're getting pure tone of Rocher stuff in chapter 33. Yeah. Oh, Man. okay. So, also, do you think these cities were built by the Parshendi? Yes. Absolutely. Like, they have At to have been. At least the foundation Have to have been, right? Yeah. So we obviously don't know and we will hopefully will know in the next book, but the whole battle and the fight between the Dawn Singers and the humans in like the first desolation, that to me is where the humans won and kicked all of the Dawn Singers out of their cities like Carbranth, like Alethgar, which is sorry, um Kolinar, which obviously wasn't Kolinar back then, yeah. but they named it something new. And that's why they, like, I don't remember what they're called, but, you know, like, the Kolinar has those really cool, like, big ridges that are interestingly yeah. shaped and have different metals. And that's all, it's not, not humans. No. They didn't no, build that. This is for sure the Barshendi. It's just really cool that it happens in the Way of Kings, a little hint towards it right here. Yeah. And, and. I don't think we're going to see any more comments about it for a very long time. No. But it's cool that we got a little shout out for Rhythm of War, this early yeah. way of kings. Yeah, I agree. Um, a couple more notes from this chapter. Uh, Yasna says something like, he's not interested in you, not in the ways you think in particular. This isn't about your soul. It's about me. 
How yeah. right she was. She's so right. Absolutely it's so right. annoying. <laughs> she just absolutely roasts Shallon's like, you, it's not about you. Yeah, you Shallon's like, that's that. somewhat arrogant, don't you think? She goes, only if I'm wrong. And I <laughs> and really I'm not am. Wrong about yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that comment. It's like, I'm, I'm really never wrong. We, <laughs> we love so her good. little murdering. Yeah, is the. <laughs> oh, my God. We'll get there. We'll get there. But, you know, we see our first real herald here. Without knowing, obviously, that we see them in the prologue. Yezrian? But, yeah, no, 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 not Yezrian. That Arden that Shaolin sees at the beginning of the chapter, uh, it's at the very end before she goes back and finds Capsule. Let me see if we can find it. But this is, I, I don't know if it's been confirmed. I think it might have been. But when she sees uh, one of the Ardens, and it's like an old, uh, obviously bald woman, um, she's walking. And let me see if I can find it. Herald. Get the fuck out of here. We saw a Herald in 33. Yeah, dude. A light flickering through nearby bookcases startled her, and she tucked away her folio. It turned out to just be an old, berobed female ardent, shuffling with a lantern and followed by a parchment servant. She didn't look in Shallon's direction as she turned between two rows of shelves, her lantern's light shining out through the spaces between the books. Lit that way, with her figure hidden but the light streaming between the shelves. It looked as if one of the heralds themselves were walking through the stacks. Is this that's a herald? Is this confirmed? Yeah, I'm like eighty nine percent sure there's a word of random that confirms this. Who? What the fuck? Did you not know that? No, I didn't know this. That's awesome. God, they really yeah, it's, are. It, it's confirmed. It is absolutely confirmed. It's Pela, Palea. Wow. Elderly ardent seen by Shallon in the lower levels was actually Palea herself. Is this confirmed in a wob? Yep. Holy shit. That is awesome. Isn't that sick? I fucking love this thing, man. That is sick. These rereads are great for this. I know. Palea is the surge binding patron of the trust watch. Sorry, the truth watchers. Holy shit, dude. So Mr. Uh, Renarin. I can't believe it. What do you think she's doing there? Just... I think she's just vibing, she's dude. She's crazy. She's fucking nuts. Walking They're around with all her stupid own and crazy. Like she doesn't know. Like she doesn't know. Like what? <laughs> I know. Oh my god. Oh man. Uh, did you have anything else for uh, thirty three? No, not really. I don't. I was just uh, capsules a dick. He's just playing with Shallon. Yeah, I fuck gotta crack up about the you know future no mating from pattern. It's like the first time we see Shallon flirting with someone. Mm-hmm. All I can think about is Pattern yelling, no mating. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, no, nothing. Um, okay, so th- uh, chapter 34, Betsy brings up Jezrian here. Excellent point I'm by I'm glad her. we didn't talk about it, but she's wrong, to be clear. No, no, of course. Because they think that the Stormfather is Jezrian, uh, so let her think that. She can be wrong. Yeah. I don't know many spoilers we're going to be able to really bring up the next two chapters. I do have one or two that I think are fun to talk about. But first, the Stormwall. I forgot that it looks like this, dude. It's, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Dude, it's so cool. So cool. Um, like I said, just really great payoff to finally get to see it. Mm. Uh, Goddamn. Brutal. Brutal, dude. God, poor Kaladin. Also, when Rock says the whole, we will remember you, Bridge 4, we won't go back to how we are, you know, um, he's like, we'll make a tradition out of it, laughter, living. 
he basically is saying the first ideal here. Do you realize that? Damn, I don't think, no. No, I don't think I realize that. So he's like, you know, we'll remember you, Bridge Four. We won't go back to how we are. Maybe all of us will die, but we'll show the new ones. Fires at night, laughter, living. We'll make a tradition of it for you. I I thought it kind of sounded like we'll have life before death. Oh, damn. Isn't that cool? I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, shit. I never connected that. The only spoilers I could think about are going to be the future conversations that Kaladin's going to have with both Syl and the Stormfather. Yeah. But how she's picked him. Yeah, so I don't have, I thought like, that happened here. Yeah, so I don't have um, spoilers as in, like, something happening, but I do have spoilers in terms of connections to what is similar to other books. And it's definitely Kaladin telling them that he's going to survive, like the survivor. Oh yeah, very similar to Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Betsy bringing up the uh, the Jesus vibes. I'm like, oh, that's not going yeah. anywhere. It Kel- it's <laughs> odd because actually Kelsey does literally the, the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't put oh, that together. Brandon. Oh, Brandon, 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 Brandon. Yeah. He loves his Jesus things. Um, okay, so uh, 35, A Light by Wish to See. Whew. What a chapter. But Great chapter. I think this is when Teft figured it out. There's a quote at the very, very end of the chapter. So I, I think he th- had thoughts that maybe Kaladin was going to be a, uh, a Radiant, but it was the end of this chapter that confirmed it for Teft. Right. And he even says... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say for the listeners, Teft was part of a group that kind of held on to the traditions and idea of the Knights Radiant, but it's taboo to talk about them, right? Because the Knights Radiant, quote unquote, betrayed humanity. So Teft kind of betrays his parents and everyone by ratting them all out as a kid. And that's where tough trauma really begins. I'm shocked that he's traumatized by that. (laughs) Right? So Tef rats them out. They all, I don't know what happens to them. Maybe they get executed or something. I forget. Something like that, I'm sure. And then to to see that they were all right and the Knights Radiant are back, it's similar to Seth, I would say, (laughs) you know, in the truthless. Wow, I didn't even make that connection, but it's very similar. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reason Zeth is truthless is because he tried to say that the Radiance and the Odium are coming back. But wow, yeah, very, very similar. Both going through it. I'll tell you that much. Dude. They are both going through Dude, it. Tell Zeth me and it. <laughs> First look at the Storm Father, Storm Daddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good enough. Okay. What? All right. <laughs> Take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> First look at Storm Daddy. Oh my god! Um, so that was cool. Um, he's he he's literally just enjoying the storm. He, that's he's a spren. He's a great spren, and he's just he's just blown along. He he cannot stop. Even if someone is there, he can only just give them a brief solace. Care. And yeah, he he likes to give them brief solace every now and then. We see what he does for. Um, Eshenai mm-hmm. when she passes away, but he doesn't actually care. He's the storm. He's a storm. If you're in the storm, we're gonna yeah. get messed up just, by yeah. the storm. That's how storms work. Yeah. Um, do you get anything else for thirty-five? No, no, just t- 
Teft knowing now, like how the quote at the very end when he puts it together is really powerful. Uh, he says, together, the two things, an empty sphere and a man who's alive mm-hmm. when he should be I, dead. I saw you emphasize that in the non yeah. I just, section. I, I just want to leave the breadcrumbs, just the minute breadcrumbs. You know I mean, I, I mean? started it because I mentioned the done sphere. I don't think Betsy was going to bring that up. No, I don't think she knows what it means yet. Like, yeah. How can you make I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Dumb? I thought she would um, tie that back into Seth because I kind of did. The minute the sphere was empty, I was like, oh, that's like the guy in the beginning, you know? <laughs> that's the dude in white. That's yeah. the dude in white. <laughs> I love it. But no, not, nothing else for this chapter. First look at Storm Daddy, as you say. Uh, so we're going to get we're gonna get some more. Yeah, okay. We're going to get some more. Um, but then the next chapter. Okay. Oof. Oh, Jesus. I actually have a question for you to start this chapter out. You know, I've seen this a couple times in this read through, and and I think they talk about it a little bit in Rhythm of War. But why are Fabrials becoming so huge now? I think we're like, in like the Industrial Revolution, yeah, vibe. Like it's slowly but for Fabrials. Would you say? But for Fabrials, but for Fabrials, yeah. Like okay. like you'll see Navani start to make elevators and shit. Like it's just slowly happening. I mean, yeah. The flying ship mm-hmm. at the beginning of the war. But, like, is that connected to any of this? I mean, we know Fabrials are important. It could be. It could be, cause, could be connected to the fact that Sprinter trying to bond people um, more frequently. Could be. When we know Fabrials are, like, a mix of the metal that traps the Spren inside the gemstone, which is, like, very metal-ish. Mm-hmm. So like tin and brass and all that stuff, you know, the invested metals. Um, it's like a combination of Mistborn and Stormlight, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly right, and that's what makes it do stuff. The type of metal, the type of spren, and how and how it's charged mm-hmm. makes the Fabriel do things. And I'm and I know that that's why the sab- the sibling hates Navani because she traps the spren yeah. in her Fabrials. Yeah, we got to talk about that eventually because like. I don't know about Navani bonding the sibling. It seems so like like she sibling was just taken advantage of in a tough situation. Yeah. Seemed forced. Didn't have another choice. Yeah. So I really felt it's bad sad. for the sibling. To be fair, if there is going to be a bondsmith that would be good for the sibling, it's going to be Navani because Navani will actually keep her word. You know what I mean? True. True. But another colon. <laughs> It's the Skywalker syndrome. It's the Skywalker. Sure. <laughs> God damn. Hey, but she married in. <laughs> she did. She did. Um, oh, okay. No, so, so chapter thirty-six, the lesson, uh, yep. the epigraph. Did you write that down? Um, I'll read it real quick. Taking the dawn shard, known to bind any creature, voidish or mortal, he crawled up the steps crafted for heralds, ten strides tall apiece. Toward the grand temple above. What? I don't know, but I this I texted you about this over the weekend because what? This is this is this is going to happen. This is going to happen. So this is I, this is not a, a death rattle though. This no. is from a poem, and I don't know, man. This is just this but, seems like a like a prediction for sure. If you don't see in your brain Kaladin carrying Risen upstairs, I don't know what's wrong with you. That's exactly what I see. Someone uses Risen as a Dawn Shard? Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh. I mean, 
to bind something. To bind odium? To bind spread? Oh, to bind cultivation? No. Oh, man. I cannot wait. This book needs to fucking come out. Uh, Anything else that you wanted to bring up on this chapter? Because I have some things, but I started the last one. Um, What else is there? They mention Natan people. They mention them. Very true. Oh, yeah. They talk about the treaty. Yes. Yeah. But that's that's pretty much it. Oh, they mentioned the Mia again, the scouring of the Mia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who says it, but it was like when the La- when the Lancerin died off. Yep. During the scouring of Mia, we thought we'd seen the last gem hearts of size until they see the chat. The what? The who? <laughs> until they see the cows and fiends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I didn't know that's why they originally wanted to go hunting there so much. It's funny. This is all built off gem hearts. Mm-hmm. And we know that there's a change somewhere here, and that's and they even hinted it in this chapter. And I don't think we see enough of it yet. We'll probably get some of it in the next book, but there's a change somewhere with Gavilar while he's on these hunts, where he clearly becomes like maybe approached by Kalek, uh about becoming a son of honor. Yeah, and things gonna blow up, and it's all because he wanted to go hunting. God damn it! And then he wanted to become a god. Did you have any other uh, other points for no. Yasna murder chapter? <laughs> Yasna murder chapter. We are going to get a lot more fun stuff out of the two of these guys now. I'm pumped for That's that. That's true. It is crazy that like, like we as a fan base just kind of like moved on from this moment because we're going to get Okay, so Dalinar burned a city and I forgave him. I can forgive uh, Yeah, but Dalinar uh, didn't forgive himself and had to erase his memory okay that's true yasna just lives with this and we never psychopath yeah and we never go back to it yeah like shallon just continues to travel with yasna until the events of book two with stabby stab with stabby stab yeah (laughs) and we never come back to it like shallon never just goes by the way Still murder. Remember when you just killed those people? Yeah. yeah. Cool murder. <laughs> this is motive. This still is... murder. <laughs> cool motive. Still murder. <laughs> yeah. This is this is Yasna's uh, younglings moment. Uh, oh, we're talking with to the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. Oh lord. Uh, no, I mean this chapter. I really loved this chapter because it's not spoiler or, or heavy forward looking. It's very much in the present. You see Shallon's change. You see Yasna's change in the way Shallon looks at her. Right. But uh, other than that, I think the only question is how powerful is Yasna here? Third ideal. Um, third ideal is shard plate, shard blade, blade. Right? Yeah, for sure. You think third? It's at least second. At least second ideal. She can use her powers. But Yeah, I would I don't know, I would assume she can she has a shard blade. Which is crazy because both I of them have third. shard blades. <laughs> if it if if Yasna has one. Oh my god. I, I'm pretty sure that Yasna would be third ideal here. I think that just makes sense yeah. based off the abilities we can do. We see her do soul casting at range. And like that's impossible. Yep. Even Shallon notes that. They also Shallon also notes that she could have used her secret weapon in this chapter. Another hint towards the fact that she has a shard blade. Ah God. So much fun shit's gonna come from the rest of this book. I'm so excited. This is 
these chapters to me are the turning moment. It's about to get very, very fun. The day Betsy finds out Shallon has a shard blade when we're in book two. God, I hope we, we, we should record like her, her her reading the video of her reading that the Instagram. Oh, I like it. That's a good idea. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. That's a way to put it, but that's everything for me. Richie, you want to take us out? All right. Well, we're going to call it here. The school is out. And Jesus. The lesson has been learned. <laughs> the bus is picking us back up. And it's going <laughs> to drop us off home. I don't know. The podcast is over. The episode's yeah. over. Thank you for tuning in, listening, jumping into the spoiler section. I love it. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Until next time, Kremlings, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Highly Invested Podcast. And if you want to contact us, send us an email at highlyinvestedpodcast at gmail.com. Take care. You think we went too hard on Josna or our listeners? Hell no, like, bro. That no, bitch man, she straight up murdered. That bitch those murdered no, that's four my, people. That's my viewpoint. But I was reading it and I was like, do people? Do you think people like think that that's a good thing? <laughs> I, I I don't know, but I don't I care. She straight up murdered those motherfuckers. While you guys are recording the spoiler section, I'm gonna go write some um, Josna Batman fan fiction. Ah, uh, that's gonna be really good. I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> Jasmine is the Batman of Carbranth. Justice. <laughs> <laughs>